Thank you for joining us. Just as God created the earth, he created heaven. We already know how majestic the earth is because God allowed us to see it. Even with all of its problems, because of sin, the breathtaking beauty of earth is undeniable. In our finite minds, we cannot imagine the splendor of heaven, even though we know it exists. As Pastor Rander speaks to us today on the magnificence of heaven, have your Bible pen and paper handy as you will want to record what awaits the children of God when we get there. God created us and we're fearfully and wonderfully made and God is a a God of diversity. What if everything, the the world was all black? It would be so boring. It would be drab. If the world was all white, all brown, I'm so glad God is a God of diversity. I don't know what to do. So if you're a racist and you got some quiet racists, they they quiet. They ain't gonna let anybody know that, but down in there, God see your heart. And, and God asked the question, how can you love a God you've never seen and can't love your brother that you see every day? Huh? Huh? I'm just, that, you run from racism, run from slander, speaking against people erroneously and hurting them, gossip, hearsay, half-truths, sharing with somebody else, saying, and then it changes color as it goes down the road. Gossip, grumbling, grumbling is a dangerous thing. It has no place in your life. It has no place in the Lord's church, has no place in your family, and it has no place on your job. Grumbling against your boss, grumbling against your supervisor, just grumble, 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 making everybody else miserable. Stop grumbling. Grumbling is a sin. Miriam, The sister of Moses spoke against Moses, her brother, and God judged her for for going against the authority that God had put there before Israel. She grumbled against Moses and leprosy fell on her. She was put out the camp and the whole Israelite community had to stand still because that sister of Moses grumbled and God didn't even let the sister get by. Now, wait a minute. If God won't let that sister get by, what about you? Grumbling is a sin. And it is a dangerous sin. And some of you have grumbled so long until it it has become who you are. It defines who you are. And you know why you grumble like you grumble? It's because you are not grateful for what God has blessed you, for the days he's put you here, for letting you see your children or your children's children or your children's children, for having you in your right mind. Thank God. When you start thanking God for sunshine, thanking God for the rain, thank God for a pillow, thank God for... When's the last time you thank God for hot water? When's the last time you thank God for cold water? When's the last time you thank God for clean water? There are people overseas walk days just to get some clean water, my friends. And you sit here, you got... You got Phones in every room, you got televisions in every room, two or three cars, you got, you got air conditions all over the place, thermostat. Matter of fact, you can just clap your hands and the lights come on and clap your hands and the lights go off. You got all this stuff. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like who's he, who's she. I don't like that. My boss said, he go again. Well, won't you just leave? Just don't stay there. You know, the worst thing you can do is be on a job complaining and grumbling, making everybody miserable because you're miserable. Just leave. You ought, listen, I'd rather make half the pay and be happy than to make three times the money and I am so miserable. 
There's some people who make good money, but they don't like their job. And they're just staying there because of the what? That's not why you stay there. If it's fulfilling, you enjoy it, you do it. You don't stay at a church uh, like that either. Make everybody miserable, you miserable. Everybody see your face all look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Ain't nobody like you like that. They run from you. You scare them. Grumbling is dangerous and you're right for judgment from God. Sowing discords, sowing discord on the job, in your family, with your siblings, in the church, in leadership, discord, putting stuff in folk hearing that's to the detriment of leadership, the pastor or whomever, to, to the detriment of the church, r- rising up in pride, making your own self the authority, hypocrisy, wearing masks, being one way at the church and you and you are and you exact opposite. You're the exact opposite at home. You get get in the car and you're shortcutting your wife. You're sharp with her, or you're sharp with him. You never say, never tell your wife you make me sick. Never tell your wife uh, uh, or your husband it's none of your business. The day you go again, you big dummy and all that kind of stuff. You don't do that. Never call your child stupid. And all this. Why don't you say amen? You know, you can do a lot, but, but in the church, here you go. You're looking around with a big two-tongued Bible, dressed up, looking nice, looking so spiritual. My friends, God doesn't say look spiritual. You be spiritual. You don't look holy. You be holy to the glory of Almighty God. Say amen. amen. Who's going to heaven? Those who possess a reverential fear of God. Those who possess a reverential fear of God. Those who hate what is evil and do that which is good a reverential fear. In other words, we live in a day of people who lack reverential fear. They, they could care less on, about the job. It's all about them. They could care less about their family. They'll, they'll tap their family. There are some families can't come together because you got troublemakers and peace breakers in the context of that family. There are some neighborhoods of uh, just total chaos because some folk who say they're Christians are there and they're wreaking havoc in the whole community. That's right. That's right. Can't have fun. Can't play dominoes. Can't stand to lose. You lose a card game, all hell break out. You got to win if you cheat to win. Why don't y'all say amen? I mean, Reverend Richard Fitt, get in the house of God, say anything, think anything, make yourself your own imposed authority, do whatever you want to do, and think you're right and justified in the process. My friends, that is a very, very dangerous thing. Where is the reverential fear of God? You cussing? You threatening to hurt somebody? You trying to be a bully and intimidate somebody? That is a shameful thing before a holy and just God. And the truth be told, it's counting down for judgment for any of us who do such things, my friends. Romans 3.18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And Satan is bold in the church. I was talking to Attorney Gibbs just last Sunday. He preached here. And he said, Pastor Draper, you know something? I said, what's that? He said, do you know, uh, years ago, my greatest battles were with outside people, outside the church, attacking the church, outside attacking the church. But he said, there's been a, a paradigm shift. What's happening now is that most of my dealings in churches now is with people in the context of of, of the church, who, who raise up against the leadership, raise up against authority, tearing up the church, 
and just making, wreaking havoc in the church, trying to be a peacemaker, bringing factions together and all. I've never seen so much dissension and friction and fighting and people having so much hellish ways about them in the church. Why? There is no fear of God before their eyes. Micah 6, 8 says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God? In summary, as we close this message, number one, the reason heaven should be the longing of our hearts is because never again will we experience lack of purpose. Never again will we experience insecurity, emptiness, loneliness. Never again will we experience betrayal, depression. Never again will we have to fear or fret or worry or be stressed out. No stress in heaven. Can you imagine that? No rejection in heaven, no failure in heaven. We will experience perfect love and perfect peace with God and his people throughout the eternal ages. God himself will be with them and be their God. Secondly, beloved, heaven is our blessed hope. Say hope. Heaven is our blessed hope. In a world that's filled with hopelessness, despair, people are in a gloom and doom state. There are people who are miserable in their families, in their childhood, in their adulthood, in their old age, miserable. Hope in the midst of betrayal and hurt and pain and disappointment and disillusionment. We can look to Jesus who is our blessed hope and live in confident expectation that he will not leave us nor forsake us and he will be with us even through the trials and calamities of life. In other words, the blessedness of heaven gives us the comfort and assurance as we live our daily lives for him. The scripture says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away, my friends. That makes heaven heaven. Thirdly, in summarizing, those who endure persecution hardships and suffering for the cause of Christ are going to heaven. Did you get that one? That's a big one. Those who endure persecution, hardships, and suffering for the cause of Christ are going to heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, for our present trouble. Have, have y'all ever had any trouble? Have y'all had trouble? It says, for our present, I've had troubles, for our present troubles are small and don't last very long. It doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're in a little trouble or a whole lot of trouble. Let me tell you something. The scripture says here, for our present trouble are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. My friends, if you haven't had trouble lately, you will have it. There'll be trouble on your job. That you, listen, you can have trouble with your health and health issues. You don't know what's going on in your body even as we sit here right now. There's trouble in families. There's trouble in the church. There's trouble in the life. I've had all kinds of trials and trouble this year, all kinds, unprecedented, the likes of which I've not seen in 30 years of ministry. And then to cap it all off, to have my son die of a heart attack. So we're still trying to get over that. I walked past Gerald's picture in the living room, and I just say, I just can't believe he's gone. Still grieving of the fact that my son died so suddenly uh, working with the seminary, uh, ordaining and teaching and, and uh, carrying on the great kingdom work. And yet some folk can live to be 80 and 90 years old, and God takes him in the prime of life with a 36-year-old widow with four children, ages 10 down to four years old, a 
homeschooler, and he was the breadwinner, and go just like that. You can die that quickly. It doesn't take long to die. You don't have to be young to die. You don't have to be old to die. You can be set and got money in the bank. You can have rent, rent houses, three dogs. You can have whatever, and you can die. And you don't know who's going to die in your family or in the church. That's why we can ill afford. You all, those things are reality. And, and God, I believe, has allowed my wife and I to go through these, through these things so that you can see that the Lord is carrying us and how we can carry on in spite of difficulties, in spite of hardships, in spite of trials to the glory of God. It's not just, it's not just going through them. It's how you respond in the midst of them. Amen? Beloved, do not, here's a big one now. Y'all hanging on, y'all hanging with me? We're almost done. Beloved, do not become so homesick for heaven that you preempt, preempt God's plan for your life of service here on earth by committing the terrible act of suicide. You say, man, if heaven's that good, Pastor, woo, heaven is good. I think I'll just kill myself and go there. No, you don't. No, you don't. Suicide is a satanic deception. Glorify God by allowing him to orchestrate your first and last breath. God brought you in this world, and he knows exactly when to take you out. You don't need to give, have somebody give you a shot and do mercy killings. God knows where you are, and don't usurp the authority of God, my friends, in your life. And I've never seen with Christians, so many Christians with suicidal tendencies, We've buried folk from this church, Christian folk from this church that committed suicide. And that's why you ought not rush out. And when we say pray for one another and go get in a circle and pray, you don't know that person behind you, in front of you, beside you could be thinking about taking this life. But because you prayed for them, you gave them hope and you pushed them off the edge and you didn't know you did that. You see, don't, don't do that. And I'm going to tell you something else. You say, well, I know my uncle, my aunt, my friend, or my someone, they committed suicide. Uh, is that the unpardonable sin? No, it is not the unpardonable sin. You say, uh, if they knew Jesus Christ before they committed suicide, they still go to heaven because the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God is sufficient. Okay? You say, well, how could they commit suicide being a Christian? That's not hard to do. All you got to do is take your eyes off Jesus. All you got to do is put them on your circumstances Get, get in deep depression, isolate yourself from the church, you know, get, get away from the word of God and get so down that Satan will exploit that moment in time and you'll find yourself considering killing yourself. And I'm not just talking about people of age. I'm talking about even young folk. Young folk are taking their lives like never before, my friends. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And don't you dare tamper with God's plan for your life. Don't play in the devil's hand. Now, if a person, a commit, if a person didn't know Christ and committed suicide, then they go to hell. Why do they go to hell? Because they didn't know Christ prior to, and suicide just hastened them on into hell. My friends, we live in a day where people are not willing to suffer through anything for the sake of Christ and others. 
It is not the will of God that we take the easy way out. We have to suffer through some things. There will be issues with your children. There will be issues with your children. There will be issues with your health. There will be issues in your home. There will be issues in your marriage. There will be issues on your job. Nobody told you the road would be easy, but I don't believe he's brought you this far to leave you. Here's a scripture everybody ought to turn to if you have a Bible. Everybody ought to turn to it. I know it's on the screen, but you need to look at it and highlight it and bracket it in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 14a. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 14a. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 14a. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. Doctrine means what? Teaching, manner of life. In other words, Timothy and those around him watched the lifestyle of Paul. You, 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 you have carefully followed my purpose, faith, long-suffering, being patient in Christ. You followed my love, my perseverance, and how I endured. Paul was a good example before Timothy and before the church. Verse 11, he's endured. He said, you followed my example, and, uh, but you have carefully followed my example in persecution. You're going to have persecution. You're going to have wrongs done, done against you, injustices done against you, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Have you ever been delivered by God? Have you ever been in trouble and God delivered you? Have you ever been in a situation you know you were in a mess and perhaps you, you're responsible for the mess you got yourself in and God extended grace to you and he extended mercy to you and he came right on time and he delivered you when you didn't deserve to be delivered. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I know I've been delivered out of some things and you be, uh, truth be told, you're here today because you've been delivered. God has rescued you, saved you out of a whole lot of stuff, and you'd be dead by now if it wasn't for the grace and the delivering hand of God. Verse 12 says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you love the Lord, don't worry about people that don't understand. You're not to please everybody in your family or everybody in the church. God doesn't call you to be popular, to be everybody's friend. You got to have your own mind for Christ and to follow Christ. If you live holy, you will suffer through some things, but you're godly, and because you're godly and take a stand, the Bible says you will face and suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. My friends, this road is not easy, and God never told you it would be easy. But he did say, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Finally, but not the least, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. The only way any of us can get to heaven is through receiving Jesus Christ alone as our personal Savior. After salvation, living in obedience to his Holy Spirit, his Holy Word is a sure sign that you are genuinely saved or on your way to heaven. The kingdom of God is not about talk, but rather living a life that is brought into conformity to the Word of God. Beloved, these are the ones who are going to heaven. 
This is the Bible. And God wants you to align your life on the authority of the word of God. You either aligning your life on the, on the authority of the word of God or you are off-centered. You are either Christ-centered or you are off-centered. Revelation twenty-two seventeen says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come! And let him who hears say, Come! And let him who thirsts, Come! In this verse, you have come, 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 come. Wow. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. My friends, I take my glasses off to ask you a point. You look at me. I know I ain't all that, but you look at me anyhow. Because I got a question for you. Will you be there? Huh? Oh, you dressed up. Oh, you got your Bible. Oh, you in church. Oh. But the question is, you can be in church and burst hell wide open. You can be a longtime member of a church, but your name is not on heaven's roll, and you go to hell from the church. That's going to hell the hard way. My friend, if you're going to go to hell, don't go from the church. Go straight. Will you be there? At the end of the day, God is not going to ask you what kind of ride you rode. He's not going to ask you about your bachelor's degree. He's not going to ask you where you work. He's not going to ask you are you retired. He's not going to ask you what color your suits are. He's not going to ask you about your golf game. He's not going to ask you about the stats of the Cowboys. They're not worth thinking about anyway. The question is, will you be Friends, that's the question of the hour. And all God's children said, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. It's a riveting message. People get mad at the truth, and that's okay. That's part of it. They got mad at Jesus. (laughs) So I'm in good company, Lord. Not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm going to keep doing what got me here because... Ultimately, I answer to you. Lord, shake up some lives here today. Disturb people's comfort zone and awaken them to the reality of heaven and hell. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, you know something? Some of you visiting here today, You say, this is my first time. Maybe your last day on earth. I'm going to tell you something else. Here's a deeper thought. God knew before the foundation of the world that you'd be at this church on this day at this time. Now, there are are a hundred churches in town you could have gone to. Why, Why did you choose this one? Why did you come here? You know why? God ordered your presence because he wanted to challenge your thinking and he wanted you to deal with the issue of yourself in light of his word. And Satan is a specialist in saying next time or tomorrow. Let me ask you a question. Look at me again. I got you looking at me. I I just want you to look at me because I got another question for you. Make you think. You're going to think about it when you go home. How many tomorrows do you have left? 
tell me. Give me the number. I want you to give me now the number of tomorrows you have left. You can't. I know you can't. I don't know how many tomorrows I have left. So why do you take that risk and say, not now, next time, first time? A lot of people die all of a sudden. My son didn't have a clue that day he was going to die. God don't give you a warning. He didn't give you a date and time, all of these things. You just look up and whoa, you in heaven or hell. I thank God that he was a preacher of the gospel. He's in heaven and I'll see him one day. But what about you? Where's your church home? Who's your Sunday school teacher? <laughs> When's the last time you've been to a Wednesday night prayer gathering? When's the last time you tithe and gave God 10% of your, your, your income? When's the last time you came to a holy communion to take the Lord's Supper? When's the last time you rejoiced in the baptism of the saints? I bet it's far too long. And God is saying, don't be comfortable in your spiritual negligence. You come to Jesus now. You've heard enough gospel to save you. And Satan will say, ha, ah, next time, don't do that. Satan play games, and he's going to do that with your mind. You can pray and still not belong to the church. You can pray and still not come to Christ. You need to make a public commitment by seeing a counselor and said, hey, I'm saved, but I want to be a part of this church. I like that gospel that's coming from that man. Oh, I don't know Jesus. Can you help me to Jesus? That's why they're standing here. We're anticipating you come. And don't you believe the devil's lies and excuses and buy into them to your own detriment. Husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, singles, you need to come now. God is real. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the indwelling Holy Spirit becomes alive in us. And as indescribably good as that is, the best is yet to come. In heaven, God himself will live among his children. No more problems, no more pain, no more preparing for the worst, because the worst will no longer exist, nor will we remember that it ever did. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Palmverse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.